Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This to me is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Well, good morning. You're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning, and we're starting with some really good news this morning. I always love it when we can start with good news because it seems like there's always so much uh, to talk about that we want to change in culture. We want to make sure that we are uh, conserving the principles of liberty and we have to fight for the truth. And so when we actually have some good news, then um, I think we need to take a moment and uh, thank the Lord for um, some things that are happening that are positive in our society. And uh, two big things actually happened uh, yesterday. The first was that a federal jury on uh, Monday acquitted Catholic pro-life activist Mark Hoke, who was charged with violating the FACE Act over a 2021 skirmish with Planned Parenthood volunteer outside a Pennsylvania clinic. If you remember, this, of course, was uh, the father who was uh, initially Uh, charged in state and local court, and then that was ultimately dismissed. Uh, But then the Biden DOJ came in and uh, decided, well, we are going to really teach these Christians a lesson. And so there was a pre-dawn raid of his home in front of uh, his children and uh, his family, And this was, um, of course, a political persecution. And uh, our friends at the Thomas More Society, where full disclosure, I'm also one of their special counsel, uh, defended Mark Hoke, and he was uh, acquitted yesterday, which was the right and appropriate outcome. But this just shows that juries are still incredibly important. And uh, Pennsylvania, thankfully, still has some rational people that uh, looked at the evidence and they acquitted Mark Hoke. So uh, this is really great. And I'm hopeful that we will get um, Peter Breen or uh, someone else from the Thomas More Society to go a little more in depth on uh, the particulars of that case at some point, um, hopefully this week. And uh, we've reached out to them. But this is just a really wonderful story, and um, I think that this is something that we can look at in terms of of the jury context and say this is a very, very, very good thing. Uh, The the next uh, really big story that is a huge and significant win for conservatives is that Utah now has made the so-called gender-affirming care, which is, of course, just uh, genital mutilation of children. They... uh, They passed legislation and became the first state in the nation that has made that type of uh, surgery on minors illegal. And uh, this, of course, was paraded by USA Today as uh, anti-LGBTQ. But of course, as Christians and conservatives, we know that that's completely inconsistent. And we have to be very careful how we allow the liberal left to frame things. This isn't gender affirming care. This is 
mutilation of children's bodies. And so the Utah legislature is doing the right thing. Hopefully model legislation uh, will come out of that state or um, potentially out, you know, out of anywhere else that, um, you know, some of these nonprofits and uh, some of these concerned citizens. I mean, if you want to help write model legislation and carry that to your state legislature or go um, to the Utah legislative page and look at that legislation that was signed by the governor there, and uh, and carry that to your state representatives and say, hey, we need to do the same thing. This is how citizens become engaged in their states, and this is how uh, we have significant wins like this when uh, concerned citizens step up and they ask their legislature to be responsible. So that's a huge win, and I think we're maybe at the tipping point uh, potentially in our culture where rational, logical people are actually uh, winning a lot of these battles. And we're seeing that the liberal left has so completely jumped the shark that we are seeing the equilibrium swing back to a little bit more of a realistic and and reality perspective. So those are two uh, really really good uh, news headlines. And um, the other the other thing that I just personally found that was uh, that was actually really wonderful was that uh, CNN reached its lowest rating in nine years. So uh, that's a great thing that even the leftists are rejecting fake news. They're rejecting the uh, race baiting headlines and the opinion pieces that come out of CNN. And so uh, CNN is uh, is notching its lowest rating in nine years across all its days um, for the week of January 16th through January 22nd of 2023. So they averaged just 444,000 viewers in prime time. And just as a comparison, I mean, that spanning their entire primetime lineup to only have a little over 400,000 viewers, just Tucker Carlson's program averages between three and four million over that one hour. So this is just showing that CNN has not reinvented itself as any sort of moderate uh, news station. And I just personally found that uh, to be great because the alternative uh, media, when you have these types of, of platforms that continue to allow uh, citizens to speak truth and to get actual news. Uh, people, I think, want to hear the truth. And unless they just have this notion, I'm going to put on uh, blinders and I'm going to be in my silo, uh, people tend to want to hear truth, even if it's something that they disagree with. And they don't want to hear opinions that are race baiting or that are so um, so extremely leftist that there's not really a perspective. So I think, you know, potentially there is a swing back to um, to some equilibrium here. And that is very, very good news this morning. And speaking of alternative platforms to get out the truth, uh, Twitter has really accelerated in terms of uh, the users and the space of being able to talk about what is going on with Big Pharma and the vaccine and all of these things surrounding uh, the responsibility of Pfizer, Moderna, and other companies to actually tell us what happened. And so my friends over at Project Veritas released a video uh, last week that one of their undercover journalists uh, went allegedly on a date with a guy who um, apparently later said that he was just lying to impress his date because, yes, we all 
uh, it, you know, the, not a single one of us has not confessed to to genocide on first dates. I mean, this was just so incredibly absurd. If you haven't seen the full 10 minute video that Project Veritas released, it's gotten something like over 50 million views now. You really need to go to Project Veritas and look at this video for yourself. Determine for yourself what you think about uh, this individual who is, um, at least according to Project Veritas, they had uh, vetted who uh, who this individual is and obviously sent an undercover journalist to uh, to go and to take a recording of this conversation and ask him over drinks uh, about the mutating of the virus, what Pfizer is doing uh, with the COVID vaccines and so forth. And it was just, it was remarkable what what this guy said to this undercover journalist. And um, so this is just one clip and this is about a minute and a half from the Pfizer video. Uh, but listen to this from th- this exchange and it's the um, it's the individual who allegedly works for Pfizer and then the undercover journalist who's asking him questions. So play cut four. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No, don't tell anyone those things. You got to publish your own You got to publish your own time. We're exploring, like, now, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can preemptively develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. be, like, very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something that, like, you know, goes everywhere. Something crazy. is the way that the virus started in Wuhan. To be honest, like, it's, it makes no sense that this virus popped out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker, a director of research and development strategic operations and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. It sounds like gain of function to me. I don't know. It's a little bit different. I think it's different. It's like, there's... It's definitely not gain of function. It sounds like it is. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So directed evolution is very different. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to do gain of function research with the viruses. Like, yeah. They recommend not. But you do, like, these, like, selected directional mutations to try to see if you can make more potent. Yeah. So there, there is research I'm going about that. I don't know how that's going to work. There might not be any more outbreaks. This is incredible, and this is one of the most explosive stories that the mainstream media refuses to cover. You are not seeing this anywhere other than Tucker Carlson, thankfully, is willing to cover this, even though if you look at some of the ads on Fox News and uh, ads across uh, across networks, I mean, looking at the NFL, Pfizer is a sponsor of the NFL, and so are they going to go against one of their own ad sponsors? Well, probably not, uh, but other than Tucker Carlson, the main outlets that are covering this story are alternative platforms. And this is why it's so important to make sure that we get the news from trusted sources and that we don't allow the mainstream media to curate our content. And so this story is just so incredible that you have an executive at Pfizer that is actually admitting to a person that he just met, that he does think that the uh, the virus escaped from the Wuhan lab, but he also is, notice how he's parsing his terms, oh, it's not gain of function, it's directed evolution. And he's saying that, uh, and he's admitting that they're looking at 
uh, adding to the virus to then try to create vaccines in advance. This is unethical. It's beyond, uh, it's beyond criminal. It is absolutely, it should be illegal. And one of the things that is so frustrating about uh, lack of accountability is that you still have all of these major pharmaceutical companies that are able to lobby our legislators in Congress. And this is the only reason that the big pharma companies were able to have Congress say, well, even though this was an experimental medication and eventually the Biden administration mandated the COVID shot, uh, for the individuals that it did, I mean, for you know anyone who was um, in the military, and of course anyone who was at a company over a hundred people. I mean, so virtually everyone in America, virtually everyone, was mandated to get this vaccine, and there was no liability. There is still no liability for any sort of injuries or harm that potentially are directly related to the vaccine. Now, of course, that is a legal question that would require a standard of proof and to have the plaintiff, if they were uh, suing Pfizer in, in a regular situation of, uh, you know, this type of harm, it would, they would still have to prove that. But here, there is no liability for these major pharmaceutical companies because the congressional legislature refuses to allow it. That is corruption. And in the context of the pandemic, I was all for Operation Warp Speed and saying, let's make this vaccine available to people who choose to take it. And for the people who have condemned President Trump on this, I I actually I want to make one thing clear, having worked for him and um, been there in the midst of this context. If you remember, he is also the one that fought so hard for the right to try bill. He is has always been for medical freedom against abortion, which is not medical freedom. Um, that's intentional murder. And we as Christians should agree on that. But he's always been for medical freedom. Choose for yourself if you believe that this experimental medication or treatment may help cure your ailment or your disease. So he did cut the red tape and allowed this. However, that should not obligate the pharmaceutical companies to be able to be separate from liability. And that's something that we need to address as a nation. Project Veritas is doing amazing work, and this is a story that is going to continue to unfold. So you're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. We will be right back with more of your top trending headlines, um, including something else on the Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis potential setup for 2024. We'll be right back.
American Family Radio listening family, this is Bible League International, and we've spent the last few weeks telling you about persecuted believers praying for Bibles to be able to endure and persevere in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We told you about Pastor Rusis, whose three sons were murdered by a terrorist group that hates Christians, but rather than retaliate with violence, they invited these people to learn about Jesus. 200 have come to Christ. They need Bibles in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight when the family could not pay the ransom. They kill the deacon. They torture Pastor Yusuf. But with conviction today, that brother can say it's an honor to suffer for the Lord. AFR listeners, you've given so generously in recent weeks so that 9,000 Bible is persecuted believers now have a Bible. Our goal is 16,000. So in this season of giving, at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for U.S. Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. He has been serving on the Supreme Court since 2017. Prior to his time on the court, he worked in the U.S. Department of Justice. Micah 6.8 reminds us of the importance of justice. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Justice Neil Gorsuch as he serves on the Supreme Court. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. From Pettis County, Missouri, comes a story of a modern-day Good Samaritan. Marine veteran Zach Walton is a creature of habit, but the other day, he felt compelled to take another route home. He was driving along the H Highway when he witnessed a violent crash. The driver of a pickup truck lost control, went over an embankment, and landed in a creek. Zach rushed to the scene, found the driver trapped inside, water flooding the compartment, So Zach jumped into the water and held the driver's head above the rising water line. Sheriff Brad Anders says it was nothing short of a miracle the driver survived. During a special ceremony at the sheriff's department, he introduced the injured motorist to his guardian angel. The sheriff honored Zach for his courage and empathy, a good Samaritan on a highway who had mercy on a wayfaring stranger. And as the good Lord told us, go and do likewise. I'm Todd Starnes. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. So Ron would have not been governor if it wasn't for me, and that's okay. And uh, he, number one, he wouldn't have gotten the nomination. And number two, he wouldn't have beaten uh, his Democrat opponent. So then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal, but it's not about loyalty. But to me it is. It's always about loyalty. But for a lot of people, it's not about loyalty. 
That was President Trump speaking to a reporter on his plane. So if you heard uh, some of that jet engine noise in the background, uh, that's where it was. But this this clip uh, where President Trump is saying that if Ron DeSantis ran, he would be uh, that would be very disloyal. And also uh, saying about Ron DeSantis that he is a globalist has now sparked a lot of controversy among the conservative base. So here to talk about it is my good friend Bill Mitchell, who is the host of the Mitchell Report and tweeted yesterday, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm off the hashtag Trump train. I cannot in good conscience support a man who would tell lies about a great American to to defend his own enormous ego. I will work with every ounce of my being to help Governor DeSantis win the nomination and the presidency. So Bill Mitchell, you have historically been a huge Trump defender. You are now officially off the Trump train. Uh, Tell us why. Hi, Jenna. Good to see you. Uh, Yeah, I tell you what. I've been advocating as people who follow me for the past few months for a Trump DeSantis ticket because I felt like this is a ticket that could unify the Republican Party, that could get us across the finish line in November, that would not... uh, direct incoming fire from the GOP establishment against our own ticket. And I like that idea. It checked all the boxes for me. But when President Trump came out and made the statements that DeSantis was a fraud on his COVID response, that DeSantis was a globalist, to me, these are provably false statements, and that was a bridge too far. And to me, that was kind of uh, poisoned the well as far as uh, a potential Trump to Santa's ticket. So I had to say to myself, okay, you know, I need to make a call here because I'm kind of, you know, playing both ends against the middle. And so I decided that on every single level, I felt like DeSantis would be the better choice for America. Not only would he have all the leadership qualities that I uh, look for, but he'd be more electable in the general election for one reason, because the establishment would not, would not oppose him. Uh, and so I made that call yesterday. Now, it doesn't mean I don't like President Trump anymore. President Trump is still my plan B, but I've, I've switched. Now, whereas Trump, DeSantis was my plan A before, and DeSantis was my plan B, now DeSantis is my plan A, and Trump is my plan B. But if Trump wins the nomination, I will still vote for Trump, and I will advocate for Trump, because he's still the best MAGA choice. And and Bill, what I think is is really important about what you're describing is the primary system, right? And one of the things that I think is a little bit disastrous for the conservative base is to be so uh, dedicated to a personality and to one particular following as if it's like our NFL team and you are just, you know, hardcore diehard Broncos. I mean, I'm, I'm from Colorado, so that would be the analogy yeah. that it doesn't matter if they have the worst quarterback. It doesn't matter if they don't win any of the games. You will go down being a Broncos fan and there is no way you're ever going to support somebody else, even if another team gets to the Super Bowl, right? So right. from your conference. And that's That's not how we need to think about politics. And one of the things that I find um, 
frustrating for for lack of of another word about the disloyalty conversation is that the implication from Trump is that anyone who would support an aggressive primary is being disloyal to him. And that gets at that tugs at the emotional strings of a lot of us who do love him, who do um, who do support him and are thankful for him, but may have a different perspective about the primary or may just see that this is the process. And, and I mean, he is not entitled to the nomination. And so I think a lot of people are frustrated. And one of the things that I re- really respect, and I was, I was telling uh, you this yesterday, that I really respect about you openly stating your position is because a lot of people who love President Trump will see that as disloyal. But that's not how we need to frame this argument. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing that's, uh, that I have a problem with. Because I'm a very logical, pragmatic sort of guy. And I look at Trump's argument. On the one hand, he's saying, you know, DeSantis was governor because I made him governor. You know, I got him through the primaries. I got him through the general election. My endorsement alone did that for him. And on the other hand, he's a very average governor. He's a fraud on COVID, and he's a giant globalist. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You just claim credit for this guy. And now you're telling me he was a terrible guy. I don't, you know, I, to me, this is a, this is a logical disconnect. You yeah. can't have it both ways. And that's so, that's the problem that I, that's the problem that I, that I uh, have on that. And, uh, you know, there is no guarantee that Governor DeSantis is even going to run for president. If he does, I think that we're at least two months out if he does, you know, announce that. So uh, I hope that he does. Um, I think that he would make an outstanding president. I think that DeSantis or Trump would make an outstanding president. Yeah. But, you know, you got to pick your quarterback. You know, you got to go with with Brady or Bledsoe. If everybody knows <laughs> the reference I'm talking about, Brady replaced Bledsoe, you know, and went on to become the greatest of all time. You've got to yep. make that call at some point. And it doesn't mean that one quarterback is bad and one quarterback is good, but you got to pick the best one that can get you to the Super Bowl. Right. And right now, I believe that – DeSantis, amongst these two uh, outstanding gentlemen, DeSantis is the one who has the best potential at every level to get us to the Super Bowl. I'm talking with Bill Mitchell, who's the host of The Mitchell Report. You can find him, of course, on social media. And uh, his show is is phenomenally uh, great. I've been a guest multiple times. And, you know, Bill, this is an important conversation, I think, to have right now. Um, Even though Ron DeSantis has not uh, said that he is running, he's not officially announced. And I think that there are some strategic reasons um, and also a couple of legal reasons. Because as it currently stands in the state of Florida, uh, if he were to announce a presidential campaign, he would have to resign as governor. And I think the people right. of the state of Florida would be very, very uh, hostile to that and to that idea. And yeah, so the state legislature has indicated that they could potentially change that law. I would not be um, in I, I would not think that that is a misuse of their legislative authority. Um, they can do that. They can change the law, even if it's um, specifically in contemplation of one particular person. But I think those conversations are likely happening behind the scenes. But the the important thing, I think, for us as conservatives is to look at this logically instead of emotionally. And you raise a really excellent point that Trump is taking credit for DeSantis, but then slamming him as well, which is logically inconsistent. But also uh, going, going along with that, the, the problem that I had 
with him saying, you know, I, I got him over the finish line. I'm the reason uh, that he <clears throat> that he got that nomination and that he is the governor. And let's assume that that's 100% true. And we all remember in 2018 how close the margin was. I mean, DeSantis did did not win by a large margin. Yeah, it was. It, it was and thankfully, we don't have Andrew McCollum uh, down in down right, in Florida. Boy. We we wouldn't have the free state of Florida. But even if that's true, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump owns Ron DeSantis. And it doesn't mean that the right. system doesn't work uh, how it's intended. So, you know, I, I, I was sitting here thinking about this late last night and I ended up tweeting this. And, and tell me if you agree with this, Bill. The craziest yeah. thing about the Trump versus DeSantis setup, I think, is this. The biggest pro and con for Donald Trump is that he is Donald Trump, right? But the biggest pro right. and con for Ron DeSantis is that he is not Donald Trump. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Is that President Trump, um, uh, because of his style, uh, has, is, more, um, is more divisive for people than Ron DeSantis is. Ron DeSantis is, you know, Ron DeSantis is not flashy. Ron DeSantis doesn't make mean tweets. He doesn't uh, cause himself any problem. You know, you've heard of the Hippocratic Oath with doctors. Well, I believe there's a political Hippocratic Oath, and that is, uh, above all, cause your own uh, candidacy no harm. And I believe that President Trump, because of his style, because of his because he tends to be more reactionary than strategic, I believe in the last three months he's caused himself a lot of harm. You know, the Kanye thing, I think the NFT thing was a misstep. Uh, I think that going after the evangelical leaders for uh, underperforming in the midterms was a misstep. I think that calling DeSantis a globalist was a misstep. You know, I, I just I like the fact that and no leader is perfect. DeSantis was wrong on the vaccine earlier. He was wrong on the lockdowns earlier. And I had said that in my Twitter feed at the time. But I like the fact that he got it, he pivoted, and he made Florida the freest state in the nation. And that's why my rent doubled in Florida, <laughs> you know, because everybody's moving there. So it's, you know, to me, I like that. I like a leader who will take a strong stance, but then when it becomes apparent, that they miscalculated because, you know, and no leader has 100% information. It's like 30% information and 70% gut instinct. No leader has 100% information when they make a choice, but that leader is humble enough to pivot and to change direction because, you know, if you're sailing, it's great. If you're in a sailing race, it's great. If you have the wind to your back and your sails are full and you're going forward. But quite often when you're in a race, you have to race into the wind. And to race into the wind, you have to tack back and forth and use the force of the wind against your sails versus the force of the friction of the water against your hull. And this drives you forward. And I think that Governor DeSantis is very good at that. He's very good at tacking into the wind and making adjustments as it goes along. And he doesn't feel like he has to double and triple down on a bad idea just because his ego involved in that idea. And so that's what I like um, about him. I think he's He's just a good pragmatic choice. And I was saying this on my uh, space earlier today, that I believe that 2016 was a change election and President Trump won because he was the change candidate. I think 2024 is going to be the I just want things to work election. Mm -hmm. And I believe DeSantis will win because he is a candidate who can just make things work. 
I'm talking with Bill Mitchell, who is the host of The Mitchell Report. And for better or for worse, DeSantis is more of a politician than Donald Trump. And you're right that this is not 2016. And so now it the, the not only the landscape of what people are looking for is different than in 2016, but also our understanding of of where we're going, I think, is is very different. But also the dynamics, because in 2016, Donald Trump ran on promises and now and he kept those promises to the American people beyond, I think, any of our expectations. Right. Um, But he now has a track record and he does have the promises kept, but he also has some of those things that we can rightly critique. And DeSantis has that same track record in Florida. And even though he doesn't have the federal level experience, he does have the experience of being a governor and showing uh, what he has done for the state of Florida, which, you know, in my opinion, has been 99% spot on because he's been able to make those adjustments and because he is a politician. And the the difference is, and I was talking with uh, my friend Bob McEwen um, a couple weeks ago, and for listeners who may have missed uh, that program, you know, go back and listen to that because Bob McEwen, um, who is the uh, executive director of the Council for National Policy, just had some really good commentary on, you know, the difference between an entrepreneur and a politician and not a politician in in terms of you know how we would think of the deep state or the corruption but truly a statesman and i think desantis um in in large part i think he is truly the epitome of a statesman in a way that we haven't seen since Ronald Reagan. And I wouldn't really call Donald Trump a statesman as much as I would call him a necessity for what we needed in 2016. So I think all of these dynamics will be very interesting. But you also, uh, Bill, in just in just the last few minutes here, you also have, you know, this class of of people and this almost like cult following around Donald Trump mm-hmm. that just can't get their mind around the fact that he doesn't deserve another four years. But I think that that mindset is is slowly shifting and people are more open to a potential alternative. And I think that's only possibly Ron DeSantis. I don't think anybody else could challenge uh, Donald Trump and actually win. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I hate to to say, use the word, uh, you know, cult, because I love these people. But mm-hmm. I, what I would say is, and based upon what I'm seeing in my social media following, that um, basically about 25%, I believe, of the Republican base right now is ride or die Trump. You know, it's like Trump is their guy. It doesn't matter what he says, what he does. Trump's their guy, you know. And uh, I believe that that's fine. And they, they feel strongly about that. Um, but I think as time goes by, that may change. And we may get into the primary season if, if Trump continues his run and if DeSantis jumps in and these guys are debating each other. And then we're getting close to Iowa, we're getting close to New Hampshire. And for instance, the uh, polls, let's say the polls might be shifting in uh, uh, DeSantis' favor. You know, would Trump at that point, rather than face a loss and uh, Iowa and New Hampshire, would he uh, turn around and endorse DeSantis so that he could, you know, do for DeSantis at the presidential level what he said he did for him at Florida and therefore earn a spot at the table as far as setting the DeSantis agenda? You know, would he decide that the time has come to become Obi-Wan and let DeSantis become Luke and let DeSantis destroy, you know, the Death Star? I think wow. that that is a possibility, but we'll have to wait and see. 
We will. But, All right. So in know, just I'm, the last couple seconds, when's your prediction, Bill, that DeSantis will jump in the race? Uh, late March. All right. I Interesting. Think well, stay, I think he's going to stay till the end of, of the legislative uh, session. So. All right. Well, Bill Mitchell, host of The Mitchell Report, thanks so much for coming on and for, uh, you know, just your honesty in talking about these really important discussions. So we'll be right back with more of Jenna Ellis in the morning. Sandy Rios 24-7. It's not a morning show. It's an all-day show fueled by the wit and wisdom of Sandy Rios. If you have a smartphone, I think you should download the AFR app. Sandy Rios 24-7 is on the podcast page at AFR.net. I have, you know, so many listeners from the radio show who are now listening to the podcast. Sandy Rios 24-7. You're in my prayers all the time. Sandy Rios 24-7 on the podcast page at AFR.net. Jenna Ellis in the morning. You need to be very concerned about what your children are being exposed to if they go to a public school or even if they go to a Christian school. Parents are not just allowed, they have a constitutionally protected fundamental right that is God-given to direct the education, well-being, and faith options of their children. Jenna Ellis in the morning, weekdays at 7 Central on American Family Radio. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. I will represent the American Family Association this Wednesday at the Museum of the Bible during the National Gathering of Prayer and Repentance where I will join Tony Perkins, Ann Graham Lotz, Pastor Jim Garlow, Congressman Mike Johnson, and many other pastors and ministry leaders and elected officials as we cry out to the Lord in repentance for our nation. Repentance is our most desperate national need. You can watch the prayer meeting Wednesday morning, February 1st at 7.30 a.m. Central at PrayDC.org. That's PrayDC.org. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Preborn celebrates that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Roe has been responsible for the slaughter of over 63 million babies. Now the decision to abort a child will be left in the hands of the states, and sadly, abortions will continue in the most liberal states. Over the past 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions occur. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives continues at an even greater level as they save babies' lives and defend their centers from the radical hate groups who want to shut them down. Preborn's response is dependent on you, the pro-life community. Be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. $28 sponsors one ultrasound and $140 will help to rescue five babies' lives. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And we are talking about the probably inevitable Trump versus DeSantis lineup. And 
the uh, interesting comments that President Trump has made, and and some would say they're attacks against DeSantis. I think um, that's probably a fair characterization, although, uh, you know, this is politics. And so it is kind of a free for all. And I do think that uh, Ron DeSantis can stand very well on his own two feet. Um, But let's play that clip again uh, real quick about uh, President Trump commenting on his airplane yesterday about Ron DeSantis. So Ron would have not been governor if it wasn't for me, and that's okay. Uh, and uh, he, number one, he wouldn't have gotten the nomination. And number two, he wouldn't have beaten uh, the, his Democrat opponent. So then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal. But it's not about loyalty. But to me, it is. It's always about loyalty. But for a lot of people, it's not about it. So that was President Trump, and I am sure that all of you have very strong opinions on this, or at least, you know, some uh, questions, potentially. So we're going to open up the phone lines in this last segment. If you want to call in and opine, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We're talking about uh, President Trump versus Ron DeSantis and also the Project Veritas vaccine drop. I know that a lot of people have uh, questions, concerns, and comments on that as well. So uh, let's open up the phone lines and go first to Bill out of West Virginia. Good morning, Bill morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just want to make a comment on the last person that we, you had on your show talking about that. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I myself, I like Ron DeSantis also. But Trump is Trump. And everybody attaches their attaches to his name, but then they find faults with him. The thing is, the thing against, as far as Ron DeSantis, if Ron DeSantis runs against him, Ron DeSantis has already started collecting big money from big people. Once that's done, he will owe them. Trump owes nobody, and everybody seems to overlook that. He is his own man, and he goes in there, and he does what was best for the American people. Yeah, and Bill, you know, I think that's that's a good point. Um, I would push back on that just a little bit and say, you know, Trump, out of everyone um, who has ever run for office, is in the position to not take, uh, you know, big money donations. But at the same time, he actually does through his Save America PAC. He takes a lot. He is fundraised a lot. And of course, that's not necessarily from donors that he would owe anything to. But at the same time, I think there is a presumption that just because DeSantis is taking money from donors, that he would have a bargain for exchange in the same way that we've seen other politicians in the past. I don't think we can presume that from Ron DeSantis because that's how politics works. And so, you know, so I think it's a fair point. I think we need to analyze that. But if we look at Florida right now and what DeSantis is doing, I don't think he seems like he's beholden to anybody. So, so fair point, and I think that that's a good um, a good thing to monitor. But I would tend to disagree that just because you take money from donors, that means that you are automatically beholden to them. Um, I think that that remains to be seen. But you know, great thought. Let's go to uh, Susan from Falls Church, Virginia. Hey, Jenna. Good morning. Hey, uh, good morning. So um, my comment when I was hearing you talk about Trump's comments, and I hadn't heard him till today, was, you know, we all watched the election 2020. And me personally, I mean, I did feel like there was a lot of malfeasance, and I do feel like it was stolen from him. I don't know what your listeners uh, think or, or what you think about that. And I just I feel like President Trump being Trump just 
feels like he has a rightful place, you know, to be in that position to run again for that office. And that's that's just my comment. Yeah, well, thanks, Susan, for that. And, you know, I was right in the middle of that in 2020. I was uh, one of the attorneys that was representing uh, the campaign and the president at that time. And so, you know, I, I was right there. I absolutely agree with you that the election uh, was irredeemably compromised there uh, in at least six states, uh, how the election administrators uh, either violated or simply ignored state law with respect to the election, um, absolutely did turn that uh, in Biden's favor. And Donald Trump has has a grievance there and he has a legitimate grievance. And I think the American people do as well. And that's why I've been fighting for election integrity since then, because we have to make sure that law laws aren't just suggestions, they're actually enforced. And so I absolutely um, agree with that. And even in, you know, my personal conversations with Donald Trump, who I, I is still a good friend, um, you know, full disclosure, I don't I haven't worked for him in two years. But um, he does feel like he has a right to the next four years. He does feel like that was stolen from him. And a lot of the American people feel that way. And, and so that's a totally valid point that I think he should have had another four years. And if he gets another four years, uh, like Bill Mitchell said, I would be all for that. It's, it's the interesting facet of the primary. And that's what's going to be really interesting here. Uh, but great call. Thanks, thanks so much for your comments. And uh, Linda, let's go to Linda from Louisiana. Good morning. Uh, hey. Hello. Good morning. Um, I just I heard what y'all were saying about uh, DeSantis being a politician and Trump being an entrepreneur. And I, I agree with both. And I'm not sure that our nation needs another politician as president. We need someone that's going to be able to help us pull pull out of this inflation and the 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 and recover for our nation. And also, um, you know, some of the statements Trump said, I'm not sure about DeSantis being a globalist, but. I mean, if if he did follow down with all the lockdowns and the mandate, the vaccine mandate, I mean, I feel like that's true. You know, that's what one of the things that a lot of people are are choosing Trump for. But I think mainly people want Trump as president again because we know that he'll do what he says he'll do. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, for that call, Linda, and for those comments. Um, one of one of the things that uh, isn't true is that DeSantis was ever for the mandates. Um, there, he did uh, have some restrictions in place, um, like all states did initially for a couple months. But Florida uh, was basically free and open um, as of May of 2020. So even though I think it was Christy Nome out of um, out of South Dakota that was the first to just say, you know, we're done with this. And, you know, she led the way on that. But uh, Ron DeSantis was there and was never for the mandates. But this is why it's really important to make sure that, you know, we have all of our facts rights. And, uh, and this is also why, as voters, we can all determine our own metric for what we think and who we support. And that's what our founders uh, gave to us when we can access the franchise of voting and we can determine for ourselves what makes the most sense, who we like, and for what reason. So that's great. And, you know, so many people calling in as uh, my good friend, uh, Dan Kaplis, who uh, is, a, is a radio host out of Colorado, one of my dear friends. And um, I actually kind of cut my teeth on the radio uh, business with Dan Kaplis out of Colorado. He would say right now, the lines are in fuego because there are so many people calling in who have a lot of opinions on this. And it's great. If you want to join the conversation, 888 589 8840. Let's go to Jerry out of Texas. Good morning, Jerry. Morning, Miss Jenna. Uh, just uh, from my experience, 
um, and not to brag on myself, I did 20 years in the Navy, but I was enlisted. So I, I retired as an E-7 a chief. And having led actual people, the first thing that you kind of pick up on and learn is humble. Leaders that are humble can always motivate people that follow them easier than those that have a prideful, boastful uh, aura or whatever about them. So humbleness as a leader is one of the first things. Um, as we learn in the Bible, even Jesus Christ, he came to be a servant the first time, not a king. So while, yes, I did vote for Trump, I follow Trump. I would vote for him again, as the gentleman that was on the phone says, if he wins the nomination, only, you know, because the, the opposite party took God totally out of theirs. You, in my opinion, and I know I'm going fast, I'm trying to, you cannot be a Democrat and say you're a Christian, period. I'll have the debate and the discussion, but the facts are way against being a Democrat and being a Christian. Um, well with said. that, uh, I want to throw my hat in there for whoever wins the nomination and wins the presidency, I would like to be the Department of Transportation leader. I think I can do a way better job than Buttigieg. <laughs> I'm sure you can. And thanks so much for your service and for your phone call, Jerry. And, you know, it's such a great point that uh, leaders are humble. And as my good friend, um, Mike Johnson, Congressman Mike Johnson always says that, you know, leadership in government is always a team sport. So there's not a whole lot of room for a ton of ego. And maybe that's something that both parties here, uh, Trump and DeSantis, you know, need to rein in a little bit. I don't know. But let's go to uh, Penny in Arkansas. Good morning, Penny. Hi. Hi, Jenna. God bless you. You are a godsend to me. Um, so um, I am um, not for Trump for three reasons. Um, I was for him before. Um, but first of all, he turned his back on Israel. So I think everything in life right now is a spiritual battle between good and evil. And when Donald Trump, one of the best presidents ever, I think, but when he presented his deal of the century peace plan, um, and he agreed to trade um, land for peace. I think that's when he got God's disfavor. Secondly, I think Donald Trump absolutely cannot win. So if you look at the um, midterms in 2018, we lost. Um, um, the Republicans did. If you look at 2020 and if you look at 2022, we lost big when we were hoping and expected um, to win in 2022. The third thing is, um, the, the last caller I think mentioned it, that the pride, his pride is just astounding. He takes credit for every good thing that happens in the uh, with the Republicans, and he blames somebody else for everything. So he, um, he supported Dr. Oz and many other not oh well i just want to say too i don't call myself a biblical republican i call myself a biblical conservative and i think we need to that we need to add that into our conversation yeah well thank you penny for those comments and you know this is exactly why i love the american family radio network because as christians um i'm you know all of you are calling in and saying we have to make sure to be biblically focused we have to look at this through a biblical lens and humility matters and character matters and all of these things truly matter to uh, conservatives that are Christian. And of course, you know, you can be conservative and you can promote capitalism and other things um, without necessarily being a Christian. 
um, and your metric for good, I think, is subjective at that point. But this is a wonderful thing that Christians are looking beyond just uh, the political consulting metrics and are genuinely looking for a leader of this country that has um, innate characteristics that follow the principles of the Word of God. So thank you, Penny, for that. Let's go to V from Texas. Good morning, V. Good morning. morning. Um, thank you. Thank you for taking my call and welcome to the morning show. Um, Thank you. I really like you a lot. My first time calling ever. Um, too. So, <clears throat> at any rate, I wanted to pick your brain. <laughs> I wanted to pick your brain on both President Trump and on um, uh, Ron DeSantis because I haven't heard anybody say it, which is I, I love President in his initial run. Um, I didn't initially vote for him because I didn't like his character, but once he won the nomination, I was all behind him, and I was glad I was all behind him. So just to give a little background where I'm coming from there, and just like the previous gentleman uh, said a few minutes ago, um, I mean, he was spot on, and uh, um, you can't, uh, I don't think you can be a Democrat and be a Christian because the, the values a Democrat attack Christian values in every aspect uh, that we can think of. They talk, yes. uh, they talk the talk, but their walk is definitely the entire opposite. Um, the other thing is, I don't, I don't. This is what I've been trying to understand about President Trump is that he he's good. He's a good businessman, and he did great for the country the first time around. But he fell prey to rhinos over and over again. And I'm wondering why that is. I'm wondering if it's, is it because the fact that he's a businessman and trying to win people who will the power to help him accomplish what he needs to accomplish? Or is he, is he just politically ignorant of these rhinos who are working against him yeah, and he's that's still a, behind them? That's a great question, like, V. You know, that's a great question. And I think Trump himself answered that in in the clip that we played in the very beginning, that loyalty is everything to him. And so when he demands loyalty from others, I think he also demands it of himself. And, you know, for a man that coined the term, you're fired, he has a really difficult time uh, actually firing people. And there have been a lot of people that have gone out of his orbit that then come back and um, he ultimately resolves different issues. I mean, look at look at Mitt Romney. I mean, he is, you know, he has attacked Mitt Romney and then, you you know, he ends up having dinner with him and basically bringing him back to the table. He's attacked Mitch McConnell and then he ends up endorsing him. And, you know, there are all of these people that um, that I think you and I would say we don't trust, we don't uh, like, we would never vote for, we would never endorse, but he considers them friends. And so whether or not that is a flaw in terms of politics, I think is the question that each each voter needs to answer for ourselves. And I think um, from my perspective, I think loyalty is a good characteristic, but at the same time, you also have to be mindful of your duty and your responsibility uh, to your constituency, especially when it's not your company and your brand, it's the brand and the ownership of the country and the American people are the owners of that. So great question, V, and um, so many other phone calls we didn't get to this morning, but we will address those on another show. Thank you so much for calling in and listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'll see you tomorrow.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.